This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. We appreciate you being here. And oh, my goodness. It is a Friday, so we're swinging Friday. open the gateway to the weekend. And that's Ramya Muthan. I'm Kelly McDonald, host of the program. And we uh, really thank you wherever you're listening in for settling back. So, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the book of the month that we have been reading for three, Stephen King. Um, one of the interesting things that I find when you have a book that's been around for a while, and, and maybe this is something at some point we'll address with Ryan Huey and the Chatty Bookshelf, is I know before the Marrakesh Agreement, which allowed so much access to books, audiobooks, and the sharing of audiobooks was the big thing. Instead of Canada producing a version of it, the United States, the UK, now we can share them a little more. And that's okay, because obviously copyright law is so important, Rum. But it's the many different versions that have been produced over the years and now available one way or another. And... I love the idea of choice. Once again, we talk about, you know, abridged versions of things, full versions, the the copy book. But now when you talk about different narrators and preference, and I, I first heard a lot of, and, and I'm going to do it today so people can put this on me, but I heard a lot of people talk about the different readers for, mm-hmm. wait for it, Harry Potter. Oh, right? Yes. You know, you had your books when I first, it wasn't Jim Dale. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. It wasn't the first one I ever heard. I don't have a clue who it was, but I'm pretty certain it wasn't. Maybe I could be correct. Not Stephen Fry. Like, was it another UK I really don't know. No, I don't remember. Because, again, remember, I didn't stick with it. I read and read and said, I can't do this. This isn't, you know, that's... Yeah. Uh, So, but I love the choice. But there's some choice out there that's just due to the fact that something so popular, older, so different versions were done prior to the Marrakesh. Um, And that in itself can have some drawbacks but it can also have positives room yeah you're right i mean overall i always uh love to support and promote that things are available everywhere because it just gives people options now Choice. you know when yeah, yeah and nels and sila they do an incredible job just putting things out there for people who have print r- restrictions uh the public library is fantastic as well um and then you know you pay for what you want with other services but truly at the end of the day we can talk about how we're reading on this mm. or this or this or this and because it's all available um which yeah. is huge and i think it's so huge to be able to talk about your your reader and how it makes it how it doesn't that narrator and the great work they're doing and uh, you know I, I always love saluting that just like sound or anything of course with an interest of people who work in broadcasting <laughs> let's take a look at what we've got ahead on the program today Chat GPT is passing the tests required for medical licenses and business degrees. John Beeler, he'll be here in a little while to tell us more in the app update. Kind of scary. Uh, we're also talking Chatty Bookshelf for more audiobook conversation, and we're talking about a binge-worthy sci-fi series or two for beginners. Ooh, wow. Sci-fi is going there today. And... 
we revisit and uh, weigh in on conversations from the past week. We call the segment Cut for Time. We'll do that in hour number two of the program. Okay, folks, doctors in southeast Texas are stunned that Dale Dean is walking or alive at all after a lightning strike traveled through his body. They told him he should have had a heart attack. Dale Dean's timber hauling truck got stuck in the mud during a storm near Newton, Texas. He was hitching it up to be towed. The lightning struck and it uh, strike me through the cable and it knocked me about three feet over in the ditch. He phoned 911 and on the way to the hospital called his wife. Beverly, I, and she said, well, let me call you right back. She went to the hospital on the way home. I grabbed his hand and I thought if it would have been different, I would have been coming home by myself. Dean says he's blessed to be alive. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. When I was a kid, I'd hear a lot about these things. You know, people getting hit on a golf course by lightning. We'd hear about unfortunate fatal hits. We'd also hear about people suddenly being able to do something or having a second sense. They'd swear that, yeah, that happened after. And of course, Ramya, I always felt, I wonder if it would give me my eyesight. Did you I actually wonder, wonder that? Oh, gosh, yeah. it was one really of these did. things. Oh, my goodness. Well, no, yes. Well, of course, I was a kid. But, okay. you know, you always thought of that fluky what if, right? Because you'd hear these different things, you know, along the lines of, oh, yeah, eat your carrots, eat your spinach, you'll get stronger. Eat your carrots, you'll get be able to see. Mm-hmm, and it might actually cure whatever ails you or whatever, you know, weakness is there. And so I used to always think, because it would be this crazy stuff that would TV shows and stuff would do. And when you're a kid, you think, yeah. well, if it happened on TV, it really could possibly happen to me. Come inside. But you're standing out in the rain. Get in here. And my mother was very, watch that lightning. Don't be by the window. Did you have any weird kind of... I never want to say hope. No. Nothing like that? No. I would avoid lightning like the average person. <laughs> and also, uh, my mom was terrified to drive in the rain. Like she had, when we were growing up, if we were stuck out there and she has, we haven't gotten home yet and she was driving, it was a full-blown situation. We'd have to pull so over. So what would she do? She, uh, we would just pull where over. Where would you and go? Wait. Like, I don't know why, but she thought that being in movement would make it worse. And um, right. for, not just for the lightning, <laughs> for anything, really. Um, yeah, well, but even certainly. the thunder would freak her out. And, she, you know, she's been exposed to tons of rain. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I yeah, didn't think anything about it. But something... it is electricity. I guess anything could happen. You never know, no. right? And being cautious, driving in rain, always a good thing. Uh -huh. Another good thing coming our way, folks, Grant Hardy. He's going to join us. He's our reporter in Vancouver. Let's see what he's got next for us as we discuss trending headlines. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. You want to find either of us on Twitter? Rumya's available at AllRams with a Z. I'm at AMI Kelly Mac. Love to hear from you. Please uh, visit, say hi, and of course follow our uh, Twitter feed for the program at Kelly and Rumya. Appreciate you wherever you are checking us out via the television, via AMI Audio, and of course online. All right, folks, the man's going to always have some great things for us to think about when he brings in some headlines here for us. Grant Hardy painstakingly looks and then delivers. Let's bring him on board. 
Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. This is the Friday edition of his Headlines as he joins us from Vancouver. Grant, welcome back. Hey, guys. Happy Friday. Happy almost weekend. Happy Friday. Uh -huh. Swinging open our gateway to the weekend, and we start, sir, and not not to put pressure on you, with you. All right, sounds good. Uh, hopefully, everyone can hear me. Okay, mm -hmm. sounding good. Uh, just yep. having some sound issues today. Uh, speaking of issues, uh, a lot of people have housing issues in this country, and it turns out. Mm -hmm. There are fewer apartments available to rent in Canada than at any time since 2001. Uh, Canada's apartment rental vacancy dropped to 1.9% last year, the lowest level in more than two decades, as the country took in additional newcomers and many residents were priced out of the real estate market. Uh, that was well below the 3.1% vacancy rate in 2021 when the country started to uh, reopen after the end of the uh, pandemic. Uh, marks the tightest rental market, as I said, since 2021, when the vac vacancy rate, uh, so, sorry, 2001, when the vacancy rate was 1.7%, according to the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corp's annual uh, research. Uh, there is a severe stress in the uh, rental uh uh, system. Uh, the country's largest re rental markets were under particular stress, with Toronto's apartment vacancy rate dropping to 1.7% last year wow. from 4.4%. Uh, Montreal, also Vancouver, is just 0.9%, with a one bedroom place in vancouver going for over two thousand dollars uh we've got we've got uh bidding wars for rental apartments if you can believe that which is like totally ridiculous i mean because you're bidding on something that's not even really tangible it's not something you own uh, and we've got people using the supply of condos for the rental uh market mm. as well yep. uh so it's kind of an interesting situation where, you know, for everybody who complains about, uh, I see this so often, you know, people complaining about, you know, a crappy, you know, crappy tenant that they have, uh, there's the balance is like so tipped in favor of landlords who really can do pretty much whatever uh, they want. You yes. know, in Toronto, we've, yes. we've got, we've got those situations where in Toronto people are like cutting up their basement suite into seven little uh -huh. units and renting it out to students who have a little the hole in the wall in the basement that they're living in. Uh, it's just really terrible. Wouldn't it be nice if we actually all had a right to a reasonable place to live? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it isn't, Grant, unfortunately, uh, it's seemingly in this country that right because we are looking at like you said what's available <laughs> and oh well there's not much so we can charge a lot let people battle over it then i recently heard how awkward a report came out today how awkward the people of color the people who are in minorities coming to this country as you've mentioned or been here there are certain cities that on their list are just tragic when it comes to available accommodations. And again, going back to 
um, the biases, the whatever it might be of landlords and what they're looking for. And then people just pushed out because, well, I want to upgrade these places. So out you go. We'll mm -hmm. charge higher rent once you're gone. And what are the reasons? Well, multiple reasons, even though, though we can challenge this, how many people are successful when they do run you? Right. I, I live in a very old place, a very old building. And it was a recent-ish move. Um, and when I moved there, the rent for a two-bedroom was $1,600, right? And now my next-door neighbor, who lives in the exact same two-bedroom that I do, except upgraded appliances, that's, I'd say the only difference, is paying mm -hmm. $2,600 plus utilities. So everything that you would pay for in a home, a house that you own, your water, your heat, your hydro, she pays for on her own. So wow. it's just kind of... Um, you To wrap your head around something like this is, wow, you know, and, and I know you live in Vancouver, Grant, so it's very similar circumstances over there. But truly, like, people will pay anything, like, going back to what you guys were saying, people will pay anything because there's nothing available on no top of choice. everything being ex extremely expensive. And, yes, the, the thing that I'm noticing is people who are very new to Toronto from out of the country, so immigrating uh, directly into Toronto, aren't even fully aware most of the time of the oh, picture yeah. being painted here. Of the, mm -hmm. the, even the, the laws and the rules of yes. protection. And de yes. definitely, I find that people who have a disability fall into a few different camps. There are sort of people who end up accepting things like you know, guide dog discrimination or pet deposits for their guide dogs, things that are illegal, but just to kind of get in somewhere that's not, you know, a, a hellhole, if I can say that. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that often happens is, you know, people wind up in subsidized uh, places, which once you get to the end of the wait list and you get in there there's a lot of crap that happens there like mm -hmm. people talk about you know fire alarms happening every night and you know huge floods and people doing you know terrible uh things well, in there. a lot of times they'll and, take money and not do the work on a lot of the places yes. it's 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 all you'd swear why are you pocketing so much money and i don't know if it's rainy day if it's just well why should i spend money when people are going to break it and and again unfortunately if you've had that as your experience as a landlord, you become so jaded. Well, think about yeah. who we're renting from, right? Like in Toronto, there are just a handful of corporations that own practically all the condos and mm -hmm. all the, the buildings even. Like it doesn't even have to be condos. It could be rental units. Everything is owned by just a few well-known companies. And so they can charge an arm and a leg, good on them, yeah. but and we would pay it. Yeah, the other thing that I find sort of interesting, the the Vancouver team back when we had a, a bureau here, we did a, a documentary on the um, housing crisis, and I and looked at people some of the can find that on the app, by the way, folks, on the my app, absolutely. Yep. And I looked at some of the comments. Uh, there was an interesting Reddit thread about it, and a lot of people were saying, like, well, why would somebody with a disability? need to live in Vancouver to start with. Oh, wow. And it was it was interesting because like on the one hand for everybody there's a yeah. huge economic benefit to living closer to the places 
that you need to work and yep. learn and play. But especially for people with disabilities, you end up living in a smaller, uh, you know, place outside the big city. As I'm preaching to the choir here, but we end up having less opportunity. Like it's essential to live in a big city because that's where the opportunity is. is. That's yeah. where it's happening. Closer transit if you're in that situation, accessible transit. You have so many reasons that for so many people, medical appointments, it's life and death. Yep. It's as important as they deemed those for computer equipment and things that we we need to learn to do and those necessities that for that's just as important and, and affordable housing for people with disabilities. I'm not saying we need to be at the top of the list. I'm not saying but it, it has to be taken into account. And you know, no one's mm-hmm. asking to live in a palace, but somewhere safe, somewhere clean sure. enough, and somewhere where somebody responds to the needs and taking care and accessibility. It, it'd just be nice to have options to move into different places closer to your workplace or where you're comfortable for shopping maybe an elevator with braille maybe the ramps of proper doors oh, lighting, yeah. whatever it might be just how yeah. much lower quality of accessibility there would be if i moved out of toronto I, i've had very real conversations with myself and others uh, about what it would be like to live in a small town in ontario and yes i'd probably pay half for, you know, my monthly spendings would be cut in half, but uh, what am I losing? What am I paying yeah. for instead? We yeah, talked it's a bit something about, to think about, right? Yeah, yeah, we talked a bit about this in uh, Toronto because you're, uh, like, you're, you're young. You want to have not only work, but also kind of like a young, you know, life. Social so life, yeah. Yep. If, yep. if you could save up such and such extra money, you know, for retirement whatever like is that really worth it if you can't kind of live your life the way you want yeah when you're young in the present exactly i know and that's that's a whole different conversation too like you know people have different (laughs) opinions on that but it's true and and i don't yeah, and I think we, we want to make sure people, there are a lot of places around Canada, smaller places than Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, yeah. that do have a lot of accessibility, do have a lot of the things people do have social lives, do have great grocery stores, movies, whatever it might be. But, you know, the, for those who won't need to be, like, again, unfortunately tied to that, for people who are able to work who are in the disability community, unfortunately, most of them... Now, this is before pandemic, I'll say. Let's say the average that's been for decades before the pandemic, you had to move to a Toronto, a mm-hmm. Vancouver. Uh, and these conversations that Grant and the stuff he's presenting here was the conversation five years ago, 12 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, and... Grant? and yeah. Yeah, Go ahead. It's, it's, and it's an ongoing conversation. It is, yeah. And despite the pandemic or not, when you still, still hear about prices and how many homes they want to put into this country because we are lacking severely, and you're hearing, you know, in Ontario alone, you know, 1.5 million new places need to be built for people to live in. This is scary. Uh, Grant, we have less than three minutes. Do you have, <laughs> you want to touch your other one, or do you um, want to yeah, say a few guess... more things on this? I guess briefly, I was kind of reading an interesting article about how to how to live to be over a hundred, and <laughs> essentially, it's oh. as as vague as you can imagine. It base, basically depends <laughs> on genes, which unfortunately, if you don't sort of win the gene lottery, Oops. it makes it difficult. Yep. Uh, but um, 
it also depends on location. Like United States and J- Japan have the most con- uh, the most uh, confirmed centenarians and super centenarians, people who live to be 110 years or older. Ooh. And it was also interesting because it said that it it really has to do with what the world was when you were born. Were you born into a right. war zone? Were you born into pollution? Mm. How are you how are you raised? Oh. What things could you consume? Very interesting. But it basically says just, you know, try and be healthy and enjoy your life the best you can. So I when lo- have we I ever love... heard that advice before? Right. But I love Grant the idea of it depends when you're born because if you had the opportunity to have a good head start yes, on health and yes. taking care and less stress it's true, you though. know as a baby. It it is because it's very it was... true. Yeah. Like imagine all the 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 mental health alone the uh, challenges that you would deal with being born into war zone and war times compared to someone who wasn't poverty. Yeah. Yep. Poverty. Yeah. There's so many things that work its yep. way on your body, your your spirit, and everything. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. that's what you know from the beginning, it it, it starts chipping away on you. Excellent yeah, conversation, of- sir. Thank you kindly. My pleasure, guys. We'll see you back here in about an hour. Okay, Grant will join us for Cut for Time when we do that in hour two. Uh, but right now, we just went over a couple of headlines, some things that he picked out for us to have discussion today about, and we do this on Wednesdays and Fridays on the program with him. Always a lot of fun, and again, as I mentioned, lots to think about. Coming up next, chat uh, GP... I always screw this up. Chat GPT is passing the test required for medical licenses and business degrees. John Beeler will tell us more in our app update. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, returning with us for more of the program. Kelly and Rumya with you this afternoon on your Friday as we're swinging open the gateway to the weekend. Remember, lots of opportunities to check out the show. First repeat at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Rum, we're going to get into a conversation with John Beeler shortly. And I kind of wanted to throw something at you first just to kind of think about this till we get to this question for him. If you could possibly, as a creator of music... Say, all right, I've written five songs. We've recorded six Mm. with others that we have. This is the one I think is great. I want to make it popular. I wonder how the heck you could make that a top ten song. Wouldn't Mm. that be interesting if we could do it? Mm, think on that for a while. Okay, Maybe we we'll, will. Through the show, come up with something. Maybe we'll get a hint shortly as to how that could possibly happen. Maybe we're going to get mad at that, too. We'll find out. <laughs> it's I'm like, sure. But this is the reason my top, my song hasn't become top 10 yet. Yeah, we're going to find out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but for those uh, scenarios and more, let's bring on John Beeler to talk apps. I'm John Beeler from Get Connected in Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where I share the latest app, mobile, and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We cover the gamut. 
John, we're totally going to get into this whole, you know, how do things get viral in a second. But first, our best friend, ChatGPT, is back. <laughs> and this time, it's passing the test required for medical licenses and business degrees. So I, for one, had not thought that this would be a direction that we head in. But I, uh, I think we're heading in some direction for sure. So what's going on? Yeah, it's really interesting. A, a number of professors have been playing around with the AI tool, ChatGPT. And for those that aren't familiar, this is something you can basically talk to, not unlike a search engine or a smart assistant, and sort of give it a question, and it'll use AI to respond to that. And you can get it to do all kinds of things, whether it's writing your music or uh, writing a thesis for you. Now people are actually getting it to take tests to see how well it does. And it's actually Oof. passing these tests. So uh, the Wharton School of Business actually had an MBA program, and it passed the test for that. Wow. Now, it didn't pass with flying colors, though. It actually got a B, which is kind of surprising because you huh. think an AI tool would have a perfect score. All the information, uh, yeah. Uh, whereas I'd be happy with the B. <laughs> I would, Compared I would to some love my older marks. Uh, wait, I would love uh, to take an MBA test and just pass, you know, yeah, by yeah. Computer take it for me, um, but so it's interesting that a, a, a number of the sort of responses that it gave clearly showed a lack of sort of uh, creativity and sort of some of the essay answers and those types of things. But it's also you know we're basically starting to push the limits of what these AI tools can do based on a limited data set. Uh, keep in mind the version of ChatGPT that's being used today is called version three. And it's based on information that was given to it as of November of 2021. And it does not mm. have access to the internet. I imagine the next version, uh, four, will have access to the internet and will have a much more robust uh, data set. Apparently, it's going to be hundreds of trillions of parameters compared to 100 billion, which it has right now. And that's going to mean it's going to be passing these tests with flying colors. And it's not just wow. business uh, exams that's taking. It's also taking exams that doctors have to take mm. to become certified in various things. So one of the things that we've discovered with ChatGPT is it's really good at making up stuff. And it doesn't necessarily... Uh, it's not necessarily a right answer, but it's very confident about the answer. So it, it seems believable and because there's some conviction behind the responses that it's it's giving you. So I could see how some of these tests where there's some uh, interpretation, it's not just a multiple choice right. or it's, you know, the, yeah. there's a lot of uh, leeway as far as how these tests are, are, are marked. Reminds me of writing tests and you know you weren't really sure of which of five things were the full answer that you knew it was in there so you'd put down the five things and get credit and then told well yeah but you're kind of guessing here stretch here you're basically telling everyone everything back from your notes and no that's not quite the right answer it, it almost just gathers up what it has uh, connected to it by the sounds of, and presents it so when those parameters change man that's going to be huge John. Mm -hmm. yeah um Am I the only one who didn't realize up until this moment that you said it, John, that no. ChatGPT doesn't have access to the internet? No, I uh, didn't either. Wow. So all yeah. of these incredible things that it's doing is without even internet being factored in and like unlimited yeah. amount of information. And these yeah, guys have I, told us this. John told us this before with, with, by saying all in stuff from 2021. That's right. Up until it never time. dawned on me, John. Yeah. And that's by design, because they, they are. This is basically a test phase. Yeah. I think it's 
extremely powerful when you can actually have it query, you know, recent events and be have knowledge of something that happened yesterday or an hour ago that's on the internet. So wow. I'm imagining like how well Google does when you search for different tidbits and info like that on top of what ChatGPT is already capable of doing. Yeah. And being able to gather all that. That is wild. So interesting. If you, you know, ask anything about COVID, it's, it's data is as only recent as 2021 versus what we have now in, in that sense of writing something. Wow. Um, off the top, we were joking around about if you could make your favorite song that you've written and you knew I love it, I want to make it a popular song, how, how could I do it if I had that formula to do so, John? Well, we're hearing now TikTok is confirming that its own employees can decide what goes viral. Yeah, the the sort of the long-standing premise with TikTok is that it's using an algorithm to help give you what you're looking for and also to track the trends. And those trends have been generated by the algorithm for the most part, but they confirmed to Forbes uh, magazine recently that their employees actually have a, a magical button. It's called a heating button that they can press on any video to basically bump that to the top of the, the list ahead of the algorithm. And that's why you wow. see random videos that make no sense for your algorithm trending because the employees have some reason to make it viral. And there's lots of reasons why they could do that. You know, they could have a partnership deal with that company or they want to, you know, push something, uh, it, you know, into more eyeballs to give other creators the chance to bubble up. And they also have a couple of really interesting reasons to do this. One is to have a diversity of the algorithm mm -hmm. because sometimes yep. you're only going to get one or two trends and you'll just get nothing but those two things. This right. staff button allows them to actually sort of inject some fresh ideas into that algorithm. Um, but also, you know, it's just... Uh, kind of interesting to see how they're using this. And now when you watch TikTok or you're, you're, you're endlessly scrolling at two o'clock in the morning, you, you have this new knowledge now that, well, maybe what I'm seeing is not completely computer generated. It is mm. artificial. Uh, but, you know, also it's kind of not surprising, you know, anytime there's a computer system involved with humans and computer systems, humans always have had the admin ability to go in and do, you know, do stuff. Sure. So it's that surprising? That part of it is not surprising, but I think what is surprising to a degree is the fact that like we all relied on TikTok to kind of move itself forward, right? Like what was popular was getting viral or Truly getting popular. views. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and the shareability, the likability, how much content we get through and all of that. Um, I'm curious though if it's a, a vicious cycle, this whole, you know, fighting bias with uh, this heat button, which is to say, you know, if we're thinking, okay, let's make it fresh, let's make it exciting. Is that all that we're pressing, pressing the button for? I think not. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. they, we're probably going to put our own biases into what is being, what we're well, setting up be as a being process, viral. Wouldn't there? And only certain people, key people or Nonetheless, that makes it more concerning. Well, it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't, it does. And I, I, I mean... Well, I don't know. I find if one person can just randomly do it, it just becomes. I mean, it's ridiculous. like fighting computer bias with human bias, right? Like, there's there's well, no for real sure way it around is. it. Yeah. Well, for sure it is. If we want the computer, we want algorithm. I think what's truly popular or catching on 
to, to be what gets up there. But is there any process, John? Did they talk about there's 10 people that have access to the bio and how it works? They, they they didn't get into specifics, but they did say that it's not every employee, it's a select few, which oh, oh boy. Whatever that means. is a little yeah. concerning. Like, who are the yep, chosen certainly. ones? Then? Yeah, who are the chosen ones and why are they choosing That's what goes right. viral? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. I'd love to know those answers. <laughs> yeah. No, well, uh, maybe maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I agree with you, John. You know, it's not like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe TikTok is doing this. Of course, there's people doing this in, in all of the apps that we use for similar purposes. But um, I'm curious about, you know, where we would be, let's say, as a comparison, if this wasn't part of the process. And, and the they're the only ones to admit it, right, John? Mm hmm well, that's just it too. And you know, the one of the things that drew me to TikTok at first though was because the algorithm was so good. You just look at a couple of videos of things that you're interested in and that's your feed. Yes. And and it it just keeps feeding you at like you're, you know, a hungry a hungry hippo. You yeah, know? yeah. Like just give me more, <laughs> give me more. Yeah. Um and so I always thought that that was the the magic sauce that TikTok had that maybe the other companies didn't have, but maybe the other companies have the same problem. They just don't have as good of an algorithm. That's and right. we don't know for Instagram, for example, and, and Facebook, how much human bias is there or, you know, humans pressing buttons versus just the natural algorithm mm -hmm. feeding us random stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense, whereas TikTok their algorithm is much stronger and much more um, focused on things that you're interested in. Yeah. It's that like um, mouse trap situation. I can't remember what psychology, but it was, you know, it, it knows when to press a button and we're just like that on TikTok. It's terrible. It's terribly addictive. Um, so, like Pavlov's dog? Pavlov's dog? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah like we so. just, we just know, like, give me another singer and singer and singer the and now reaction. my entire feed. But um, one more story to get to. And I'm not sure what this is, but Richmond RCMP bus drivers licensed forgery lab. Yeah, I wanted to bring this one up because I thought it was really interesting. The RCMP recently had a, a large bust of this lab in Richmond. And what was concerning about it, and it's something that we talk a lot about on, on this segment, is identity theft. Mm -hmm. And this lab was extremely sophisticated in the sense that they had a very high-end, expensive printing equipment to make very very accurate forgeries of driver's licenses not just for bc but also for uh, a number of provinces and even some states and even further than that they were also uh they they had a number of templates for various things like the canadian permanent residency card and so what's oh, happening wow. is they're using all this data that we've talked about all all the time about these databases that you can buy on the dark web that have all this personal information about you and they're creating profiles and fake driver's licenses but they're putting their criminals photo on it so when they walk into a bank or a car dealership or best buy to get a credit card it's the person in front of them with your information and there's been a number of cases recently where people have actually been able to use these kinds of fake IDs to even sell your condo out from underneath you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, this has yeah. been huge this week with all the condos with people's property being sold. They go away to do something or and or or uh, what was it the uh, Airbnb, the people that took uh, Airbnb uh, took over some Airbnb. What did I say? R Airbnb and all of a sudden they come home to it and somebody has sold it. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable. What do you yeah, even so get mad at? Okay, go. Yep. 
Well, the, 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 the problem with this particular story is I don't have a nice, happy outcome. There's nothing you can do to prevent this other than being diligent with your personal identity everywhere else. Um, these people are motivated. It's definitely criminal activity. They're funded. They can clearly afford to purchase these very elaborate printing systems to do these duplicates that are very realistic. Um, so wow. all you can do is just yeah. try to protect what mm -hmm. you put on the internet. And this is a, you know, a drum we beat all the time. Uh, and this is the outcome of that. It's good that the, uh, government has been, um, and the police have been, you know, busting these forgery rings, but there it's whack-a-mole. There are going to be more of yep. them. Yeah. Yeah. And this they feels so going. real, like c compared to all the, you know, things we talk about, uh, banks, um, identity theft for your finances or online identities. This feels like it could be anything because it's physical identification based on stuff that you put out everywhere else. John, we got to let you go. Thank you so much. Thank you. Always scaring us with something, John Beeler from Get Connected. Even on a Friday, he doesn't Even get yelled at like Shaq does. Yeah, he doesn't get the same rules as Shaq does for sure. Um, John Beeler joining us for our app update every Friday. On the other side of the break, speaking of the man, Bill Shackleton here for The Buzz. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. settle back on a Friday. If you're new to the program, thanks for giving us some of your time. But Ramya, myself, the team, everybody just likes to kind of enjoy the show and sometimes some of the conversation gets a little heavier. But poor Bill, he's been warned. Come on, Bill. Bring us some of that happy, you know, stuff compared to instructed. when he comes on to do the buzz with us. He's been instructed and it's been that way. It's harder with John Beeler because a lot of John stuff, we need to know now. You know, we yeah. can't say let's yeah. wait a week, you know, or, but especially since he's stuck on Fridays. We need to have to put that stuff out there. So for people like Bill, it's a different set, Bill, because you have the Wednesday yeah. and the Thursday. You can put in all that mayhem and murder and stuff like that <laughs> that you want there. Oh. But 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 on the Fridays, as the producers have done, just to give some context to how come it's that way as we swing open the gateway to the weekend. In case Billy, you were wondering, back. Billy, right? Like Because yeah, sometimes Bill might be like, hey, that's not fair and want to fight us on it. But Billy, Friday's specific stories uh, Well, you got to remember his uh, nickname was Diesel. I, I don't want to be the recipient if he gets worked up and, well, he just shoved you aside like a diesel. Yeah. Billy, welcome. Hello. And actually, I've got an AI article. And, and you oh, know, as you good. know, yeah, there's tons of them in, in the KM Press this week, uh, as you probably yeah. know. But this is an interesting one. AI wildfire detection bill gets initial approval in Colorado coming from Associated Press. So a year after the most devastating wildfire in the state's history scorched nearly 1,000 homes, lawmakers are considering um, joining other Western states by adopting artificial intelligence in the hope of detecting blazes before they burn out of control. Mm. Um, this is going to be kind of interesting. So basically what they're doing is the human lookout towers 
that used to be, they've all been replaced by cameras. So basically what they're doing is they're adding several more and in the hopes of basically um, detecting a fire before it, burn, it gets out of control so they can move resources into the area quicker. So the algorithm is going to be able to hopefully, if it works, detect whether, like how serious the blaze is. Mm-hmm. And if it's just somebody smoking a cigarette or a campfire, that's not consi- going to be considered to be a serious threat. But if it's, you know, something really big, then they're going to move resources into that area and hopefully be able to stomp these fires out. What One of the things that they, that's considered is that when there's a drought, um, fires mm, burn quicker, yeah. so yeah. they're going to have to act really quick. Um, which is why they've a lot of these forest fires get out of control. Right. Well, and, and they'll put the warnings right. yeah. out, Billy, and I, and I think that's wonderful. We know and we understand. Hey, man, riding along even in your all-terrain vehicle or whatever it might be, a spark from that can cause these fires. We we hear about lightning causes these fires because everything is so dry. But we do have the technology to, to, to be able to look, see everywhere and say, hey, that's a little bit bigger than somebody's little campfire. Mm-hmm. That's an area where that's densely wooded, even if it is something like a campfire. And if somebody's putting it where they shouldn't be, really, rangers could be alerted. And, hey, we better take a run out there and tell those campers to be careful or, or see what's going on. Um, there's so much of that technology there, uh, you know, if, if you, when you really think about it, Bill. There is. Uh, and, and the thing is that if, you, if it turns out to be a big fire, um, they can move, get resources from other states if they, if they mm-hmm. know that they, that they need the extra help. Yeah. So the idea is getting there quicker and being, you know, being more efficient in manpower and and moving their equipment where it has to go. Yeah, obviously the speed is probably the biggest thing about this because you can potentially get to, not even get to the actual place, but understand the situation so quickly and be so proactive. I'm honestly, like after hearing this, I'm thinking, why haven't we done this earlier? I well, and that's what I meant about technology, yeah. right? We have it. Why hasn't this been done? We're worried Several about so Several years many other of wildfires things. all mm. over the West Coast. And, you know, this discussion is, it's the first time I'm hearing about it. Well, when we talk about the stores and being able to implement stuff to, to know, hey, there, there's short of antifreeze in aisle five or whatever it might yeah. be. And it can tell so they know to bring some more out or restock or whatever. And we're talking satellites that can see so many things from floods to fires. Yeah, it, it seems like a no-brainer, Bill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we want to move into another one about, this is yeah, kind sure. of, this is interesting. A new pill treats diabetic cats without mm-hmm. daily insulin shots. This is Aww. really interesting. Cats yeah, I, insulin I, shots with diabetes? I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Okay. And if this so, works, Bill, wow. If it does. So, you know, when I was thinking about this and I'm saying to myself, would I have the courage to give an animal, I mean, it's bad enough giving you, the, uh, yourself a shot, but right. giving an animal a shot... It's almost amount to me. It would be amount to cruelty for, as far as, I mean, for me. I yeah, you're not comfortable it. with it. Mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable. Um, the, so a lot of people, according to the article, um, they, they put their cats down because 
they can't do it or they don't have the time to do it or they don't know how to do it. That's painful. Yeah, it's, it's so this pill, um, the only caveat to this is that if you, if your cat is already on insulin, you can't use the pill because apparently oh. it, yeah, it causes side effects. And when they were doing the study, hundreds of cats had to be euthanized because, you know, they didn't know, of Ugh. course, whether you could, be, do, you know, do both. So apparently you can't. So, so it, this, it's uh, one or the other at a certain yeah. stage, I would imagine, okay, yeah. that, that the, a cat would qualify for this. I, I guess. Like um, if they're already, if they've already been on insulin, you can't you backtrack can't and go to the no, pill. No, you can't, but you can't backtrack. But this pill could prevent the cat from having to be on insulin. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm. I mean, um, now the price is interesting. It would, it would cost $50 a month, um, but but the vet could charge two or three times more. So you're talking possibly 150 to $200 a month. Still, though. That's a lot, yeah. It's a lot. It is, but it's a lot for yeah. insulin anyway, isn't it? I'm pretty sure yeah. that's not covered. Not much is yeah. covered in the, the uh, pet side of pet things. World. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like, it's going to go back to health conversations we had about have about humans, guys, but it, it that's where it is for me. You know, there's so much that vets do to try to help us understand that exercise and good diet for our pets is so important. And unfortunately, you know, if your cat is diabetic and that's due to lifestyle and, and diet... There, there's not much you can do after it sets in. It's the same thing about, you know, uh, hip dysplasia and other things that uh, different breeds of cats and dogs are prone to. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, big cats are so common. Like it's so normal for a cat to be huge and it's so cute, but it's not cool. And the older the cat gets, the the more challenges you're going to run into anyways. I'm sorry. I know I'm PSAing right now, but it's true. Like, and now look at the the things that you have to learn to deal with, including giving your cat insulin shots, which is not fun for you or the cat. Nope. No. And, and again, uh, there are different circumstances. Things happen. I know it's not quite the same as human diabetes, mm -mm. but diabetes is diabetes of what it what it does in, in tearing down. Yeah. Yeah, and we you know, know an the lack of or, exercise or that cats get in our cats. Sure. It's yeah. a done deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Billy, your next piece. Yes. Um, former home of Nova Scotia's first black doctor gets her heritage status. Kind of interesting. We've talked about the first black postman before. Now we're talking about mm -hmm. Nova Scotia's first black doctor. Um, Licker is his last name. Um, and basically he was, he got his degree from McGill in 1916, but unfortunately he was denied hospital privileges. Oh um, man. Yeah, we don't, with the article didn't say why, but we can, we can assume that Clement Licker was, um, you know, because of his color, but he was actually a young, a, a, an unsung hero during the Halifax explosion, he worked night and day to, you know, there were so many people hurt and killed when these two ships, um, you know, collided in the harbor. And he worked night and day to save as many people as he could. Mm. It's it's kind of nice that we, we get, we recognize these 
doctors, these people who work so hard and deserve more than they ever got. And I'm sure he didn't get hardly any recognition mm-hmm. until after his death. And, and I'm but I, home. You know, Bill, I'm just going to jump in before you get into the home. I, I just think that when you hear of these things, especially the impact that he had during the explosion, the aftermath and everything like that, and I don't mean this to sound callous as it probably is going to sound, my apologies ahead of time, that's probably what allowed him and again, I don't know his history, to continue and be successful, even though he wasn't allowed in the hospital, but to practice because probably he gained so much confidence from people who may not have given him a shot before, had no choice, and saw the way this man worked um, and and lost sight of his skin color. I don't know that happened, Billy. You like to think so. I would I would think so. Um, so the home is is is. Hopefully, well, it will be it it, w- it will be given heritage status as as it should be. Yes, yeah, it, it must have been where he practiced and yeah. Well, yeah, he know, actually he, he um, opened a clinic um, oh. at, in his house because, of course, as he was denied privilege in the hospital. Of course. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, that day and, time. and and I think a lot of doctors did uh, you know in that time and going back, it was a lot of time their their uh, clinic. Their, their offices uh, were part of their home. And, you know, they had to see people that way, had to deal with people and have them come in and, and did what they did. And again, I'm, I'm, you know, you, I, I guess if someone needed to stay overnight somewhere, that's when they went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wonder, even though he may not have been given privileges to be in the hospital, you wonder how many people, how many staff, how many actual medical higher-ups in administration or doctors gave him his due in their way that they could have. Uh, it'd probably be really interesting reading to, to learn about him. I do, uh, you know, really respect that it's, he's being recognized and, and for his medical help, right? Like not, not necessarily the warrior side of things or whatever, but actually um, being able to save lives in this capacity is so important that we recognize people like this individual's um, in general, and especially because he was, for his color, not recognized at the time. Even the institute right. where he went to school, right? To know that, I mean, women at that time were not made to feel welcomed in any medical institution. It was like laughed at, you know, oh, you want to be a doctor? And here is a man of color being able to go in there and, and the school accepting and and letting him practice and leave it as as a qualified doctor it just makes you wonder about the times and um who people come across Hmm. that stop and say yeah come on in versus you're not coming in here are you crazy so really interesting piece bill to make you think about thanks for introducing us to mr liquor okay good liquor yeah bill shackleton he's uh joins us Wednesday through Friday, we call the segment The Buzz. He brings a few items for us to discuss, and we get into some pretty interesting conversation and certainly learn a lot of stuff. Rummy and I will return. We have another hour of the program ahead. In that hour, Ryan Hui, he'll stop by for another edition of the Chatty Bookshelf. This week, he highlights a few binge-worthy. Ha ha, you know he's into it. This is his favorite sci-fi series. We get the conversation recaps and comment on segments from the past week on Cut for Time. But up next, we have our gardening segment with Susan Kearney. And today, we're talking about the jade plant next.
Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.